Praise the Lord. He will hold me fast, and he's the only one who can, and that, of course, is Jesus Christ himself. Genesis chapter 3 is where we will be, beginning in verse number 1, and we'll make our way down through verse 13. Genesis chapter number 3, and we'll actually be reading verse 1 through verse 13, continues down through verse 19. Many doctrines of our faith stand on the very foundational truth of Genesis chapter number 3. And so, as you consider Genesis chapter 3, probably one of those that is criticized and debated extensively, we find the truth that the majority of our major doctrines uh, find their foundation in what we read in Genesis chapter number 3. So beginning in verse number 1 of Genesis chapter 3, I want you to notice as it's recorded for us. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You shall or you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word and Father, we thank you for the truth that it contains Father, more than that, we can take it and use it in our lives and apply it in our lives. Father, as we follow you each day to be the disciples that you've called us to be. And Father, may we understand the seriousness and the significance of Genesis 3. And Father, all of the consequences that came as a result. And Father, in our own lives, may we look to you to draw our strength, to draw our wisdom to draw our discernment, all of those things that we need in our lives each and every day. Father, may we take your word and hide it deep within our hearts that we might not sin against you. And so, Father, I pray that you would take your word this morning 
accomplish what your purpose and you intend to do in the hearts and lives of those who are here today. And we'll be careful to thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Man was placed in a perfectly very good environment according to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17 with only one restriction placed on his liberty. When you look at chapter 2 and you notice verse 17, you'll see this restriction. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. The only restriction that was placed on the liberty of Adam and Eve when they were placed into the garden was that. And so, as a result of him being placed in this very good, perfect place, with this one restriction of eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if you do, you will surely die, we see the significance and we begin to see all of those things that are going to come about as a result of Genesis chapter number 3. But there's something very interesting. In verse number 1, we also meet Satan for the first time in this chapter. Any knowledge that we have of Satan, any knowledge that we have of who he is, we find in the Old Testament, specifically in the book of Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel chapter 28. We find those things that took place and those things that happened as a result of the fall of Satan and uh, the angels that fell with him. And as a result, we find him now appearing on the scene in Genesis chapter number 3. And let me say this to you today. Satan works the same way today as he did in Genesis chapter number 3. He has not changed his methods. He has not changed his tactics He still uses the same means and the same methods and the same tactics today that he has always used. And you say, well, how is that? How is it that he uses those today against us? Well, let me share with you how. By deceiving and substituting his own lies in the place of divine truth. Matter of fact, as you see in verse number one, you'll notice the phrase, It's very clear and very plain in verse number one. Indeed, has God said. Or to put it in today's vernacular, did God really say that? Well, my dear friend, that's what they're saying. Does the Bible really say that? Or we take it a step further today. Does the Bible really mean that when it comes to calling out, identifying, listing sin that we find that's a part of our own lives? Satan is not changed. He still uses that same method. And matter of fact, to try to deceive us and to substitute, oh, it's okay. All of culture's doing it. It's the new way. You've just got to get up with the times. And I tell you what, if I've heard that a hundred times, I've heard it a million. You just, you're not with it today. You just don't understand where things are. Things are different in the world today. Things are totally different when it comes to life today. Well, I hate to tell you this. God orchestrated, God outlined it, God put it in place. He put it in the Garden of Eden, and we have the Word of God. And let me just say to you, nothing's changed as far as God is concerned. Culture may have, but God is not. You see, every effort today to deny the inspiration, the absolute authority, and the truth of Scripture is simply a repeat of Genesis chapter 3. It's just a repeat. 
So if you want to know what happened, if you want to know what took place, go read Genesis chapter 3 in detail and you will find it out. But here's the way Satan works. Satan interjects his own words. Look at verse number 4. Genesis 1 said, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Did God really say that? Look at verse number 4. The serpent said to the woman, here it comes, you shall not surely die. You're not going to die. Nothing's going to happen. If you eat of this fruit God put in the garden, for you, nothing is going to happen to you. And the other interesting thing about it is the enticement by Satan continues to build. Going to verse 5. He continues, he said, for God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He said, God already knows. So what in the world did he mean by that in verse number five? Well, let me share with you what it means. Satan says, here's what he said, God's holding out on you. God's keeping back from you. God is holding out on you. Go ahead. Because here's what's going to happen. You will be enlightened with knowledge and wisdom. And matter of fact, here's what he goes on to say. You will be like God. That's who you will be. Matter of fact, there's a push today. There is is teaching out there today that you can be your own God's. And I'll tell you what it is. It's called the God of self. It's the old selfish desire that's there. And let me say this to you. Let me tell you where it came from. Genesis chapter 3. Nothing is any different today than it was in what happened in Genesis chapter number 3. Well, what in the world happened in Genesis chapter 3 that is so, that is such magnitude that it brought us to where we are? Well, I'm going to lay it out for you in six quick steps. And I want you to notice as we look at them, we see the sequence that happens that led to the downward path of Adam and Eve. And let me tell you where it started. It starts in verse number four, and it starts with doubt. It starts with doubt. Look at verse four. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. Well, wait a minute. God said in chapter 2 and verse 17 that if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, here's what's going to happen to you. You will die. Satan says you won't die. And so now we begin to doubt. We begin to doubt the things of God. We begin to doubt the word of God. And so this doubt, let let me show you how it works. It's called doubt through deception. And let me tell you something, he's good at it. Let me tell you why he's so good at it. He's been doing it for a long time. And Satan's good at what he does. So what does he want to get you to doubt? God's very goodness and truthfulness. We have the word of God. Complete, finished from Genesis to the book of the Revelation. All sufficient for what it contains. And we know that. But second in this sequence is what we call The temptation. Look at verse number five. For God knows 
that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Let me tell you what that's called. It's called the big lie. It's called the big lie and it comes from Satan himself. Listen, you can be your own God. You can live for the creation instead of living for the creator. And are you ready for this? Without any consequences. Just live however you want to live. Because at the end of the day, we're all going to get there. We're all going to make it. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If that was the case, and there are no consequences to our sin, then why are there such a magnitude of consequences that come as a result of Genesis chapter 3? You say, what kind of consequences? Well, look at where we are today. Do we live in an evil world? I'll let you be the judge of that. Are things in the world getting better today? I tell you this, but they're not. So why is that? It comes as a result of what took place in Genesis chapter 3. So we have the doubt, and then with that doubt of deception that comes that Satan puts in place there, let me tell you what the next part after the temptation, guess what comes next? It's called the sin. Look at verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her. And I want you to notice the words, he ate. The choice was made. She made the choice to eat of the fruit. Why did she make the choice to eat of the fruit? My dear friend, let me share this with you. It simply parallels Genesis chapter 3, verse number 6, parallels 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16. You say, well, what does 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16 say? Well, let's turn there and look at it. It is no different than what happens in Genesis chapter number 3. 1 John chapter 2. And I want you to notice verse, let's just look at 15 and 16. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and verse 16. Notice what it says. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and verse 16. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now notice verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from where? It's from the world or from the devil. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter number 3. So what did she do? What did, the, what, what did she do? She saw it. It looked good. She had a lust for it. And it would be to make one wise as God, the pride of life. Let me tell you what it did. Went down all three of those. And let me say something to you today. Sin follows the same path today. It's no different. It's called the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride 
of life. So you have this doubt. You have the temptation that comes, eventually culminating in choosing sin versus God. And then what comes after that? It's called guilt. Look at verse 7. It's called guilt. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. Hmm. And they knew that they were naked at that point. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They knew. Why? Their eyes had been opened. And now all of a sudden, you know, what's amazing is this. It's amazing how we like to hide. Adam and Eve here lose their innocence. They lose their innocence and for the first time have a personal realization of what it means to disobey God. For the first time. See, don't forget where they were placed. They were placed in a perfect, very good environment with only one restriction on their liberty, and that was not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's all they had. But still, when they saw it, and it looked good, and the pride of life began to overflow them, here's what happened. They succumb to the temptation, and they commit the sin. And with it comes the guilt. Oftentimes, many people stay at the guilt place. There's nothing anymore, or nothing goes past the guilt place. That's where they stay. But then you come to verse 8 through verse number 10, and you see what comes next. There's doubt, there's the temptation, there's the sin, there's the guilt. And number five is what we call the cover up. Look at verse 8 through verse number 10. It's called the cover-up. And so they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So they hear God. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? I hate to tell you this. God didn't have to ask. God already knew where he was. My dear friends, sometimes I think this when we commit sin in our own lives, okay? We think we can hide out of sight just enough to where God doesn't know. I hate to tell you this, but he knows the secret thoughts of your mind before they're ever spoken. It's who he is. Let me say this to you. You can't hide from him. And you're ready for this? You might try to stay in obscurity today during this life, but there's a day coming where you're going to stand before him. You will stand before him. And here's what the scripture says, that there's a day coming where every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the facts of it. That is the truth of it. That is what's going to happen. But here's what Satan wants you to believe. 
He wants you to believe it's a lie. He wants you to believe we're all going to get there. We're all going to make it because of God's love for us. My dear friend, listen to me. There are consequences to sin. And therefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world. And so therefore, death came upon all men. Why? For all have sinned. It doesn't get any plainer than that. It doesn't get any clearer than that. That is the truth. That's the facts. But along comes the doubt. Along comes that temptation. Along comes the sin. And then we find ourselves in a place of guilt. And then finally, the ultimate is at the cover-up. Look at verse number 10. And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden... And I was afraid because I was naked. And notice what, out of Adam's own mouth, what did he say? So I hid myself. So I hid myself. Cover up. That's the best way. When Achan from Ai committed the sin by taking, if you go look at the path that Achan went down, he saw it. He looked at what it was going to do for him and the pride of life, and he brings it back to Ai. And guess what he does with it? He hides it. He tries to cover it up. Joshua falls on his face before God and says, I don't understand why we lost against this small town of Ai. I just don't understand why it happened. And here's what God told him. He said, because sin is in the camp. And you need to deal with it. It's not time to pray. It's time to deal with it. Well, what about David and Nathan? Did you know for almost a year, David, he lied about it. He tried to cover it up. He committed murder. You, you want to go through the list? All of those things that David was a part of. And for a year, he tried to cover it all up. Until Nathan came by to see him. And Nathan began to relay a story to David. And at the end of the story, here's what he told David. Nathan looked at David and said, you're the man. You're the one that's guilty here. So we have Psalm 51 where David throws himself on the very mercy of the throne of God. And here's what David said. I've sinned and against thee only have I sinned. The cover-up. It's always, it's where we run to. It is where we go to. We try to cover it up. We want to try to make like it never happened. We just go right on with life, just like everything is good. Then that guilt begins to eat at the inside of us because of the sin that's there. Well, guess what that leads to? Mm, This is the tough one. So you have doubt. You have temptation, you have sin, you have guilt, you have cover-up, and you're ready for the last one? Here it comes. You may want to write this down. It's called the blame game. Verse 11 through verse 13. Let me share this with you. It's always somebody else's fault. Not mine. Always somebody else's fault. Look at verse 11 through verse 13. And so he said, God's speaking here. So who told you? (laughs) You know, I'd love to have been there to watch this conversation between Adam and God. You can only imagine what it must have been like. 
So, Adam, who told you? Who, who told you that you were naked? Mm-mm, Adam. Did you eat of that tree? Which I commanded you not to eat? See, it's always, it's always worse when you know that the person that's confronting you already knows the truth. Because <laughs> you ready for this? There ain't no getting out of it now, okay? Because you already know the truth. Verse 12. The man said, I didn't write this. <laughs> Came under the inspiration of God himself. So the man said, guys, be careful. The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I what? She gave it to me, I ate it. She gave it to me, I ate it. Never questioned it, just ate it. Hmm. So look at verse 13. And so the Lord God said to the woman, So what is this that you've done? And the woman said, Do you see it? It's called the trickle-down effect. Let me tell you something, we chuckle, but that's exactly the way it plays out every single day. Let me say something to you this morning. It's always easy to blame somebody else for our own sin. It's always somebody else's fault. It's never mine, always somebody else's fault. Genesis chapter 3. Outlines it for us, for us to see and understand. So my question to you would be this today. Have you embraced the same lie today? I'll close with this. The true story is told of a small boy who discovered his dad's hammer and can of nails. The little boy knew that he was not supposed to touch them but he just couldn't resist them. And so he began and proceeded to practice his carpentry on a new, freshly painted barn door. When his dad discovered the deed, he determined that instead of a spanking, the best discipline, would be to have the boy remove each nail from the door. And so after struggling for a few hours, the discipline was completed, and the little boy's wrist and arm felt like butter. When the last nail was removed, he stood back, and he looked at the door, and instead of a sigh, 
he began to weep. And he cried to his dad. And here's what he said. Daddy, I pulled out all of the nails, but the holes are still there. My dear friend, there are always consequences to sin. They're always there. Will God forgive us of our sin? He will. But the consequences remain. You see, we live with the result of Adam's sin today. The nail's been pulled out of the door, but the hole is still there. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12 The Apostle Paul writing, and here's what he says. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Because all have sinned. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'll read these for you. Verse 21 and verse 22 says, For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so as in Christ all will be made alive. It's called doubt, temptation, the sin, the guilt, the cover-up blaming of someone else. Sin entered into the world and we deal with it every day. Amen. 